Coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for another episode of Tech Talk with your host, Joey Klein. Greetings. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk. We have a fantastic entrepreneur, chief executive officer from here in the Atlanta area, Greg Rabel of Validify. Greg, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure thing. So, Greg, you have had an interesting path in the technology community here in Atlanta. This is not your first go-round, is it? Uh, no. I've been doing it a while, so no, it's not the first one. And so, I feel like entrepreneurs are... And I guess we should clarify, right? You've, you've been an entrepreneur before. Obviously, this is a growing organization that you've kind of walked into the, the CEO role for. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you, you have been involved kind of in the you know, early stage startup technology community for a long time. Yes. I feel like executives of that nature fall into a couple of different categories. Some are, it's innate, right? They just can't do any other thing. They can't do bureaucracy. They can't take orders in a good way. And others just, they almost have to do it because they find a problem that they would love if someone else solved it, but just, you know, sometimes you got to step up. Right. Do you, do you, uh, have you analyzed yourself enough to get a sense of which category you fall into, if any? Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say I probably fall into a little bit of both. I, I sort of enjoy the, the small company and the growing company and all the challenges that that brings, probably more than a larger business. And so, I definitely think that's part of it. And I think the other side is you always see things in the market that you feel like could be improved or you could do something different that that makes sense for people. So I think there's a little bit of both in me. Yeah, sure. I know. We're not not all zeros and ones, right? Right. It's a little bit of a mix. Um, Let's just, at the top of this, talk about Validify, what your mission is, what you do, and then we can kind of go backwards. Sure, sure. So... Validify really focuses on uh, bank account data, payment performance data, um, and basically capturing all that information and using it to do really everything from you know sort of simple compliance for payments. There, there's something called the, the web debit rule, so anything that's uh, processed online has to have some basic compliance of that account before somebody can process a payment against it. So that's the sort of basic side of things. And then it goes all the way up to do sort of bank account verification with authentication. So tying that bank account to a person. And then, you know, if you look at sort of the um, the FCRA side of our business, we're actually using bank accounts and bank account data, performance data to do, you know, credit risk and underwriting. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of runs the gamut between, you know, simple compliance all the way up to sort of, you know, credit risk. Okay, so so a number of different applications. So would this be, and I imagine this is just one product in your business, mm-hmm. let's take an online kind of small lender like a Green Sky or like a service finance, right? Sure. Yeah. Is, is this, I go and, you know, I get a home improvement on my home, right? I use Green Sky to finance it. And in that process, your technology is what is used to check that I am an acceptable credit risk for Green Sky. Yeah, so it would be, I would say there's probably two applications for somebody like a Green Sky. One would be that we are part of the underwriting waterfall that they have. So most most lenders of, of size use a variety of different products. Um, and they try to sort of look at it in, in different ways that meet their deme- uh, their um, their demand. So um, this would be probably a product that they would use in their waterfall where they would look at payment performance data 
that's happened with this consumer in the past across, you know, all the different things that um, that they've, you know, bought or borrowed money for and things like that. Um, So that's definitely one part where we fit in the credit risk side. The other part would be if they process payments, um, you know, for this consumer when they want to send them money initially and then they want to collect the payments from them. Mm -hmm. um, We would sort of, if they'd made any changes to their bank account through that relationship, they'd want to be able to look at that account, confirm it's that person's and just make sure that uh, all that, you know, data lines up before they did that. Uh, I guess we live in in an interesting time in which there, it it seems like, it used to be there were very few um, ways to demonstrate credit, right? We mm-hmm. weren't all purchasing things on the internet, even small things, you know, day in and day out, right? right? If you had a credit card, if you had a mortgage, if you had a car loan, um, and there was a lot of people that were underbanked and just did, were not able to show a verifiable credit history. Mm-hmm. I imagine what part of the need for your technology is now you might have someone who have not who has none of those things, yet they still have a credit history of payments, albeit small ones, right. for all of the you know the, the the way that we live our line lives online now. Yes, that I mean that's true. It's I think uh, payment data in general is one of the last areas that that people you know haven't really aggregated a lot of data, and so if you look at the traditional credit scores that are used, they're they're sort of built on. You know, trade line information, places you've borrowed money from, they, mm-hmm. they collect it, they score it. Most of the time it's a, you know, if it's a big three credit bureau, they score it with FICO. Um, and then, you know, so you have that, and that, that sort of the picture of you and your, your credit worthiness from everything that you've, you know, borrowed money from. Doesn't really look at your bank account, doesn't really look at um, what you have in your bank account and how you are with, you know, processing payments for not only those loans, but for other things. And so that's something that we feel like is missing in a lot of the, the, the credit scoring today. So, you, you know, some people call it cash flow underwriting. So when you're looking at, you know, how much expenses do you have each month? How much do you bring in? Um, do you spend that on, you know, on positive things. And so there's a lot of that that I think goes into this. And so we are sort of scratching the surface, I think, on sort of how you leverage bank data and and payment performance data to sort of improve credit scoring and maybe expand it for um, to sort of capture a larger part of you know, mm-hmm. people out there that maybe don't get seen the right way with a traditional credit score. Well, so so let's let's talk about the traditional credit score, right? Obviously, we have one of those big three in mm-hmm. our backyard, Equifax. Right. So, are you implying that what is what you do a replacement or a complement to Equifax? Is are they two set in their ways such that? The, the traditional credit score simply does not work for our modern era of finance. Or is there a place for it There just needs to be augmented? Right. I'd say it's, just, it's the latter. So there's a, there's a place for it. Um, but I do think it's, if you, really, if you look at the scores that people use and you look at FICO, I mean, by and large, there, there's, there's versions of it that come out that, that improve it. But generally speaking, the way that people are doing credit scoring today at a lot of companies hasn't changed in, you know, 30, 40 years. Okay. Um, and so I do think that as the, the world has changed and people are doing, you know, almost everything online now to some extent, 
um, that data is is processed. You know, that, that payment data is happening, and I just think that that's something that you could always augment it, and make it better. And I think by doing so, um, there's people that, you know, for one one reason or another, they've had a challenge and you know they they had a struggle with something, and that doesn't show well with a traditional credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you captured some of the sort of what they're doing today and potentially even brought in the, the cash flow underwriting piece where they're managing their bank account well, um, they may not make a lot of money, but they're managing it well. That's something that just gets missed today in, in traditional credit scoring. That is very true. There's very little room for error or mistakes in a traditional credit score. And it sounds like what y'all are providing is let's just scratch beneath the surface here. Mm-hmm. Right, it, it it might be correct, right? But let's at least do our due diligence on all the other financial um, activities in this person's life, such that we are we know that we are not entering into an agreement with someone that truly you know shouldn't shouldn't have this product, or we're not leaving someone out that um, made a mistake or fell in hard times, but they're doing just fine. Yes, absolutely. I think it's a. Um, it's a way for lenders to look at consumers mm-hmm. and ultimately to you know see how they look with a traditional credit score, but then trying to find you know are there other things that uh, that are in that consumer's history that might say that this person is you know um, would actually be a good customer for them and and you know to try to reclaim that customer and not just say okay well you you know you scored a you know six twenty so you're not a good client for us sure. we're going to move on. And the the we're, you're purely talking about end users, mm-hmm. consumers. Do you do any sort of business credit or anything like that, or it's only consumers? We do some. I mean, we do some that you know, small business lending mm-hmm. and that type of thing, which would be more on the line of of you know, looking at bank account data and performance data to do um, you know, bank account validation of of that account before you process a payment or collect a payment. So it's it's those types of things for that. But if you get into the credit risk side, it's it's you know it's predominantly lenders um, that are consumer facing and that maybe just want to find a you know another avenue to find to to see that consumer and and try to really capture as much as you can about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go into your past a little bit. How did you get interested in this specific field of technology? Um, I think so. That my my prior company to this was a company called Factor Trust, which was a an alternative credit bureau. So we actually did what really the big three do. We just focused on lenders that they didn't um, generally capture data from and get re- data reported to them. And so it's a large market if you get into sort of the fintech lenders, the alternative lenders, um, installment lending, and those types of things. And just we felt like it was a big area of the market that was getting missed. And in many cases, there were, you know, opportunities there that could help consumers and help lenders ultimately to sort of, you know, be, be better about what they did. And so I kind of started that, built that up, sold that to one of the big three bureaus in 2017. Um, and so I, I really got interested in data and how data can be used um, and, and aggregating it. And so uh, that's really kind of what what started uh, the thought behind, you know, investing in something that was, you know, starting down that road, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, maybe needed some additional resources internally to, to help it kind of get to where it wanted to go. 
So, so what has changed in the world between when you sold Factor Trust in 17 and now that you've gotten involved with Validify? I mean, I think there's, I mean, there, there's been a lot. I think a lot of it is a lot of new lenders, a lot of people that are trying to focus on how do we service customers better? Um, how do we sort of meet them halfway between, you know, the traditional lending world and then getting into what they want to do today? And so I think the market has changed a lot from that standpoint and, and created a lot of new models for that. Um, obviously, with, uh, with COVID and other things kind of in the macro kind of economic side of things, um, it's made, I think, lending harder and lending, you know, something that you have to be, you know, better and better at it with all the regulation around it. So there's, there's been a lot of nuances with that. And I think, you know, where I sold that business and started looking at this in 2021, um, you know, I, the one thing that didn't change was people weren't really capturing bank account data and leveraging it in the underwriting process then. And, and they really weren't in 2021 either. So I just felt like it was one of those, you know, areas that was maybe one of the last areas of opportunity to capture a lot of data um, and use it in the right way. And uh, that was what made it kind of exciting for me. So uh, let's talk about, because there was an acquisition recently. Originally, right. the, the, the organization you joined was called Ribbit, I believe. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, so we invested in Ribbit in 2021, and I joined the board then um, and tried, you know, sort of worked with them to try to build the business and get it in a place that, that made sense to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did that, and then um, I kind of just operated that you know, from a board seat perspective. And then when we got into early 2023, uh, the opportunity presented itself to to come in and join the company and sort of help take it to an, another level, mm-hmm. and um, you know recruit a really good team and, and do all those things. And so I did that. And about a month in, an opportunity presented itself to acquire a company called Validify, and um, you know it was sort of a, a great opportunity to grow the business, to add to our product mix, to um, add to our talent within the company. Um, and, and sort of, you know, add to our data set. So it was, uh, it was a good opportunity to do that. And I, you know, I'd worked with a couple of private equity firms in the past, my prior uh, company. And so I called, kind of called them and said, let's, let's try to get this done. And, and they jumped in and we, we got it done in about 45 days. Wow. That's, that's great. And in terms of the name, I imagine thought processes validify probably defines what the company's about a bit better than Ribbit. Yeah, I think yeah. it's I think it fits the business a bit better kind of what we do. Yeah. Um and uh everybody we spoke to kind of said, you know, between the two which do you like and you know, was, I think it was 99.9%. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like the lo-fi. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really take a uh, branding professional to uh to pick that one out. <laughs> no. Um so that that that's a very unique set of circumstances because you're coming in in a CEO. Obviously, you knew the organization, you were right. on the board, right? Yes. But you're coming in as the CEO and in a very very short time period dealing with the integration of a new company right. into one that you're really building up. Um, um, that has to be a new scenario for you. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a. Uh, it's different in the sense that it's you know the timing and how quickly it happened and um, putting two companies together that have kind of differing cultures, different management styles, um, you know, and those types of things. So that that's a challenge. I think the the benefit of it was um, I already had uh, a handful of people from my prior company 
at Ribbit with me. So we sort of brought people in to help with that. And then um, I was lucky enough to have uh, three people from my prior company at Validify um, in key areas. So one sort of running all the technology um, and one sort of on the customer facing side. And and so it, it, it sort of helped with, you know, I knew what I was getting into. Um, I know those guys are talented and, you know, that, I, you know, I, I knew the technology platform was going to be great for us. So it helped from that standpoint. But yeah, it's a challenge sort of putting two companies together, building new products, integrating the platforms, integrating the data. There's just lots of things to do that are, you know, that, that sort of have to be done pretty sure. quickly to sort of gain the, the synergies you want. Yes, a lot to do, but of course, that's kind of why you took this on, right? right? It's yeah. it's exciting at the yes. same time as yes. it's challenging. Absolutely, yeah. Um, are there any any lessons learned from Factor Trust as regards to culture, leadership, team building? That when you joined Validify, you kind of said, you know, I I wasn't really able to do this the way that I wanted to. I'm gonna I'm gonna change it this time around and make it right. I think, um, yeah, I mean, you always learn as you go through these. And um, I, I had a company before Factor Trust 2 that was back in kind of the, the internet days. And it started in 97 and sold in you know, 2001 and kind of had the whole run up and, and, and all that. And, and there were mistakes that I made there that, I, that, I, that stuck with me that was part of you know, what I would want to change with Factor Trust. I think the same thing here. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is um, you just realize that the pro- you, you spend a lot of time with people every day kind of working on things. And I think you want, you want an environment to be, you know, enjoyable. You want them to, you know, to realize that they're going to spend time with these people. You, you, you want it to be fun along the way. Um, I think enjoy the, the small victories because there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges along the way that, that kind of sap your energy, but just enjoy the small victories and, you know, have fun while you're doing it. I think that's the big thing. And, um, you know, I think some of it too is as you get a little bit older and when I first, my first company, I was in my twenties and now I'm in my fifties. And I think you just realize that, you know, how important family is and how important time with them, you know, you want people to show up and be ready to go and that they, you know, they're getting time with their family as well, but they kind of, you know, they just are, are, are understanding what's important. And I think that's a key now with, with this business is that you just, we've gone through good things and we've kind of gotten to this point and everybody that was a factor trust, I think saw a, a really positive outcome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they sort of know what we're working towards. And I think it helps with the, just with the experience from that. That, that is a very tough balance. I think it's a it's a good one to mm-hmm. verbalize. I think it can be sometimes tough in practice of communicating mission and teamwork such to the point that everyone feels really invested and goes above and beyond, but also understands that at the end of the day, the most important thing is what is not within the four walls of this office. Right. It can blur at times, yes. right? Um, but at the very least... I think letting it be known and leading by example on that front is 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 a is a good one. Um, it probably endears people to the mission even more. Right. Um, I, I think part of it, if I can add to it, yeah. I, I think part of what we did and and I th- I think resonated well is that we did a 
like on a monthly basis, we, I kind of got up and did sort of a stand up in front of everybody. And really, we talked about the business. We talked about kind of key metrics that we're working towards. And we sort of, and we showed them, you know, the financials. We said, here's where our revenue is. Here, here's where our EBITDA is. You know, here's where the database is from a growth standpoint. Here's how many customers we added. Um, and, and I, it was, it was a intentional to be very transparent with the view being if, you know, you're spending this time here and you're, you know, you're working really hard, you want to make sure that people know, you know, how, how are we doing? And I, I, I talked to a lot of companies today that, um, you know, you talk to employees and you say, well, you know, how are you guys doing? Where, you know, where's the business? And, and a lot of people don't know. And I personally feel like that's, you know, that transparency is good when you're, you know, when your wife asks you, how's the business doing? Are you guys, you know, are you guys growing? And if you can't answer that question, where, where she feels good about you doing all that, that's, that's a, you know, that's a struggle. And so um, that's just something that we've, we've do, always done. And I feel like it works well. I feel like it gets everybody bought into the, into the strategy. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing the same thing here now. So I think that's part of it. I, I really love that. And I have to say, you're the first, not to, look, who knows if, you know, they just do it. It just wasn't discussed on the show. Sure. You're the first person to sit in that seat to actually say something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is so, it, it doesn't take much, right? No. Like you're, you're, you're just putting the numbers up on a board. But I think the act in and of itself is so rare. We have recently started to do something like this just for our, our group. And, Look, I don't think anyone was really asking, right? right? But, um, you know, it was, it gave another level of ownership to really understand, you know, look, I'm focused on my number and that is how I contribute to the company, but here is how we are doing both for good and worse. And it's, it's been quite powerful. Mm-hmm. It is a very simple act that I think, um, I mean, any, any executives listening, that's quite, uh, it doesn't take much um and the reward that you reap in terms of employee loyalty and buy-in i think is far greater than the effort put forth right no i think it you know it it is something that you sort of miss and i think maybe when you're struggling especially Mm -hmm. it's you you sort of feel like you don't want to put that on other people right um but i think it's important because i feel like if uh you know if you're challenged i mean whether you tell them or not they know and so um, I just feel like the transparency part is just really important, whether it's good or bad, and you can talk through things and you can, you know, you can help them understand that, you know, you know but we have this amount of cash, so we're, we're in a good place and we're moving in the right direction. And you can, you can talk through all those things, but to me, I, I feel like the, just the act of being transparent and the act of being honest about where the business is, is important to them when, when they start getting into the, you know, maybe this isn't going so well for me. That, that's I think right. from a retention standpoint, them knowing is important. Uh, look, again, as you said, it's, I mean, look, I think this is akin to also children and I'll even go so far as to say pets, right? right. When, some, when something's going on with mom and dad, mm-hmm. everyone in the house can tell. Yes. Okay. The dogs can sense it, let right. alone the kids. And uh, I think very similar at, at work. You spend that much time with people, Right. You know, you don't you don't need a degree in psychology to right. read people's uh, body language and tone. Yep, absolutely. One of the things that I want to go back to that I really liked that you mentioned was kind of the the celebrating the small victories. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I have I've tried to adapt in my life. It's you know sometimes harder than uh, you know I actually present it to be. But I think this goes for kind of the world of uh, early stage companies as well, existing in the emotional middle as much as possible. Right. Um, really not not letting the huge wins get to you too much, mm-hmm. but also not letting the huge losses get to you too much. Right. right? Trying to take the small things, whether good or bad learn from them, give a high five, even if it's small, but like try and as much as possible exist within sort of one standard deviation of, of the middle as opposed to, you know, too far on the edges. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, um, I think sometimes, especially when, you know, you're trying hard to achieve things and, and whether it's, you know, internally, you know, because you want to show the, the kind of growth that you want to show or whether it's the external stakeholders that have, they're sort of pushing to sort of get to certain things. I, I think it's it's important to kind of maintain a you know a sense of you know we're, we're working through these things whether they're good or bad, mm-hmm. um, but celebrating it along the way, having fun along the way. Um, you know, I mean, there's just you're, it, it never goes perfectly. If you think it is, you're, this is not the right thing for you to do. Yeah. Um, and so you just have to sort of realize that sometimes you're going to be challenged. And then, you know, people are looking at you um, as the guy that um, ultimately, if, if you're, you know, if you're sort of showing um, the stress, then they're going to feel that. And I think you have to just, you know, hey, we want to we be better and you know, kind of work on these things and, and get better at it. But, you know, it's, it's something that sort of maintaining that, that sense of, you know, it, staying in the middle is important. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're growing Validify. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about hiring. I'm assuming that you're, you know, hiring for different roles. Right. Are you building out engineering? Is this a sales and marketing push? All the above. I mean, where's the focus right now? Yeah. So I'd say all the above. We the the way it worked out is that um, when we uh, when we invested in Validify, Validify was based in Ohio originally. Okay. In Oxford, Ohio, and so um, when we started to recruit people um, to build the business management team out. Um, obviously Atlanta is one of the greatest places in the country to do that. And so just with the FinTech background and, and the, and the, you know, the experience of the people. Um, so we basically relocated the headquarters here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so started building that out and then, um, and kind of, you know, winding down the operations up in Ohio. And then when we acquired Validify, Validify was based in South Florida. And so we're kind of doing the same thing. We're sort of creating a, a headquarters here. So pretty much I'd say, you know, the vast majority of our hiring is, is in this area. Um, and it's across the board. I would, uh, you know, there's some, uh, some, you know, development hiring right now is definitely going to be customer facing kind of customer success, sales, things like that. Um, and so over the next 12 months or so, we'll probably hire another, you know, 20, you know, 20 plus people. Um, we're, you know, a little around, we got right around 30 people right now. We'll be, you know, 50 ish by the end of next year. And then probably in the 70, 75 range by the following year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when an organization go, and of course you've experienced this one time before, right? The organization looks very different mm-hmm. at those intervals, which on an absolute basis are not that far from each other. Right. On a proportional basis, they're very far from each other. Yeah. You know, I think that you could say, you know, 
whether a 10,000 person company goes to 11,000, not that big of a deal. When a 30 person company goes to 50 people, right. that is a very big deal. Yes. Um, and the, what is needed from leadership and also from rank and file is very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, for, okay, so you look, you've got a, you know, team that you've worked with before, right? You've right. gotten some of the band back together. For some of the folks that are with you for the first time, and this might be their first time scaling in a company like this, mm-hmm. How do you help them figure out what their cultural internal role is? Take aside what they do on a daily basis. Sure. Right. right. Okay. How do you figure out what is needed of them as you get to those different stages of company growth? Yeah. I think, I think, um, you know, just like you said, the hiring kind of between 10 to 20 or 10 to 30 and then 30 to 50, just everything, there's stages. And I'd, I'd say the biggest thing that I've seen throughout the process is that you go from needing a team of generalists to a team of specialists. Mm-hmm. And I think as you do that, you have to sort of realize that some of the people that may be there early, some can scale and, and sort of move into that specialized role and, and some can't. And it's just, not, it's, it's just not the right thing for them. So I think as as you bring kind of people in that are more specialists and really kind of experts in their role, um, I, I think you try to find people that you're hiring for um, for roles. Um, and if you ask them, what do you love to do of all the the sort of job that that sort of fits within the what, what do you really like to do? And you want to hire people that are doing what they really like to do, not because you know this is sort of where you slotted me in but it's not really something i enjoy yeah um so you try to hire the people that you know that that want to do this area that they love this area they want to continue to build out their skill set in this area and they're great at it and they can lead in it and so that's what we're we always try to find is people that want to do what we need them to do and that they're really good at it and they are proud to be really good at it and then i think what happens is is that those people become you know, leaders and can build out teams that kind of, that, that sort of match what they do. And so um, a lot of what it is for us is finding those areas that we need to add and enhance and, um, and build out and basically just look for the right, you know, fit for those things. And it's, you know, it's just being honest about, you know, here's how, here's the amount of work we do. Here's how much time we spend together. Um, you know, here's how we manage things. We always, I've had a number of people tell me that, you know, I almost in the interview kind of sort of, you know, I tell them all the bad. Try and convince them. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. And right. I, I they still them, want to come back. After exactly. Yeah. I, don't, I don't try to oversell them. I tell them about here's the challenges that we're going to face. Here's the here's the, the, the work that we're going to have. And you're probably going to end up having a, a greater workload than you have in the past. But, you know, we're hiring people that we feel like can handle that. And and so that's sort of what we do. And I think ultimately you just, you, you can kind of build a team that can work well together. And, um, you know, you want to be able to look around and go, okay, we don't have, we don't have large teams in each of these areas, but the people we have are really good at it. Yeah. There's really no, no, no room for fat, um, on an organization no. like this, but you, you bring up a good point about kind of what's needed at the different levels, right? It's like at five people, you need, every, you need Everyone needs to do everything, right? Right. You need someone that is going to be fine, uh, you know, pitching a customer and also going down to the city of Alpharetta for a business license. Exactly. Right. Um, yes. As you get further along, right? You know, it's you've you've kind of 
passed through a little bit of your scrappy stage. Right. You need people laser focused on kind of what their job on the assembly line is. It's That's a, correct. That is a very different hire. Yes. Um, so let's let's talk about a kind of fintech's role in the Atlanta economy. Mm-hmm. Okay. If there is if there is one sector of technology that this city is known for, it is fintech. Yes. Right? Um, I mean, B2B technology in general, right? But right. fintech is really, I think, where we truly punch above our weight class. And I've always been curious why. Yeah. Because, look, some things just develop organically. Okay, you just have a center of gravity from a couple companies. They exit. You know, those people start other companies. And then... With others, there is some, uh, you know, historical fact you can point to, like for, you know, the reason Charlotte is such a banking center was something having to do with, uh, you know, regulations they put in place that basically stole a lot of bank headquarters from Atlanta back in the day. Right, yes. Okay, so I am curious, you spend enough time in this field, what is your opinion as to why we have been so dominant in this niche field of technology? You know, it's 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 a hard, it's kind of a, it's a tough question because I think there's a lot of different answers for it. I think, I mean, if you just look at the industry and kind of where things came from, I mean, I think payments is one of the things that you can always go back to and say, you know, there's always been a a, a large amount of payments companies here, and with the and within that, you sort of get a heavy dose of tech. You get, you know, you get a lot of reach with those and, and sort of you get people that have experience in a lot of different areas that payment, you know, payments cross, whether it's lending or retail or, you know, B2B or anything like that. So I think payments is the one thing that I can point to and say there's always been, you know, a lot of payments experience here. Mm-hmm. And then you get into things, you know, my, you know, my first company was an electronic bill presentment and payment company. And at that time, the, the biggest player in that space was check-free. And so, you know, that whole area that I sort of got into was, it was in some ways sort of, you know, started by, by check-free in this area. Yeah. And so um, I think there's just a lot of those types of things. I mean, Equifax being here um, and, and sort of how it got started with sort of buying up a lot of, you know, local regional credit bureaus and things like that. I just think there's sort of, leaders in, in a lot of different areas that make fintech what it is and it just it just so happens that they're all here and they started here uh, sure there's you know a lot of little seedlings at some point right. maybe no one sees it and then all of a sudden you know it's grown into a forest and exactly. it looks like it was overnight but there was a whole lot of people you know tilling the soil Absolutely. over those years and, and now it is just sort of a you know, self-replicating right. process. Yeah. I also think, you know, with Georgia Tech being here and, and they've always been a huge, you know, advocate for the for the kind of startup and entrepreneurial community. I think that's been a big help too. And so I think it's really been a lot of different areas within Atlanta that yeah. has sort of provided that. And then, you know, with some of the larger companies here, you know, like Home Depot and, you know, back in the day, Georgia Pacific, which is where I worked initially when I first moved down here. I mean, you know, people were in, you know, involving in sort of the early days of how to use technology across, you know, logistics and transportation, all those types of things. So I just think there was a lot of uh, companies that supported that early adoption of technology. And then, you know, there's just a lot of early um, innovators in different parts of fintech here. Yeah. Um, let's, I want to make sure that we really kind of nail down on the different types of um, 
clientele that you all serve. We really talked a lot about financial services. Sure. Okay. That's obviously a huge heading, right? Right. Are there other types of organizations, industries that, you know, maybe one would not assume that you serve just by a cursory glance of, you know, what, what y'all do? Yeah, I think the interesting thing is, and that's probably one of the one of the reasons why the acquisition made sense, is that we are if you looked at, you know, what we were working on, it was heavily weighted on on lending. Okay. Um and then as you get into things like bank account ver- uh, validation and authentication of a bank account, it, it pretty much crosses every other industry you could think of. It crosses, you know, both B2C and B2B. So it can get into vendor management. You know, you need to, you know, pay a vendor for doing work for you. And you need to be able to send them a, a payment. You need, to, you need to make sure that the payment is going to the place that it should go to. Um, and then there's just all these different areas and, and, and looking at where electronic ba- payments cuts across. So it's insurance, it's, you know, um, manufacturing, it's, you know, and really retail. I mean, there's a lot of different areas where we have customers that, um, that don't really sort of align with historically what we've worked on on the lending side, but it's just, there's so many electronic payments process and it's only getting bigger. Right. Um, and so that's just one of those things. And that's really the benefit for us is that if we looked at the markets, um, it just expands, you know, the market of, you know, how, how do you need to look at that bank account? How can you confirm the identity of the person that use, is using that's the right one? And so it, it really crosses almost every industry you can hmm. think about. Okay, so obviously a lot of opportunity in that market. Right. Um, so, I mean, functionally, how does this work? Let's take our Green Sky example from earlier, mm-hmm. right? Green, you know, you install, you know, your API in Green Sky system, and when they're running their processes, it basically goes through your filters. Yeah, so it basically they just call us. So, just with an API scenario, yeah. they'll just reach out and they'll call us. We'll give them a response in a second, and. You know, they'll whether it's credit risk data that they would be using, or whether they're um, looking at the bank account and confirming the you know that some that the the bank account information is correct before they process a payment. It happens in you know one, one to two seconds, yeah. and it's just you know so it makes it a really easy business to to integrate with and work with. Um, and you know that's that's really how everything's done today. And we have a, a cloud platform that's. That's super secure, very fast, um, easy to connect with, and and so we just you know use that, and that's really how the the business is going to scale. Do, do y'all price on kind of like a monthly subscription? Is it a per transaction fee? How does it work? Yeah, it's per transaction. Pretty yeah. much everything we do is per transaction. Got it. Um, that I, I like that type of business. It sort of aligns well to what the market likes, and, yeah. and I think people um, appreciate understanding just. The transparency of it. Um, you don't charge setup fees. You don't really charge monthly minimums. It's more of a pure transaction based on usage. That's right. No, like I, I agree. I think it engenders a lot of goodwill between um, uh, you know client and provider. Right. Agreed. You're only going to pay when you know you get value from us. Right. Absolutely. And, and it sort of forces the provider like us to constantly improve the system because they're only going to use it if it works well for them. And so if you just kind of stagnate and don't 
and, and don't build your product and don't improve your product, then you're going to be challenged. So it's, it's a great way to, there's just not a lot of friction. And because of that, I think you have to always get better. Yeah. Well, look, this was super interesting, Greg. I appreciate you coming on sharing this. Um, if you are looking for a really interesting opportunity in the fintech world, uh, Validify is hiring. Uh, let's clarify how we spell Validify. Yes, so it's V-A-L-I-D-I-F-I. Okay. And, and, and the website is Validify.com. Validify.com. Anyone out there that uh, is looking for an interesting role or thinks that Validify services could fit uh, a unique uh, place within their tech ecosystem, Validify.com. Greg, thank you so much for coming on Tech Talk. Really thank appreciate you, Joe. It. I appreciate it.